Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to MLB Morning Coffee. I know we've been on a bit of a hiatus. I've been busy at work, so appreciate you hanging with us. We've got a fun episode today. Our guest and one of our many rotating co-hosts joining us from Surprise, Arizona. He is a left-handed relief pitcher in the Kansas City Royals organization. He was the Idaho Falls Pitcher of the Year inside the Royals organization last year. A former Jacksonville State left-hander, a native of Decatur, Alabama, my good friend, and hopefully soon to be yours, Derek Adams. DA, what's going on, buddy? How you living? Oh, just living it up in the Holiday Inn, Greg. Good, to, good I, to hear your voice again. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. So, Derek Adams, joining us here on MLB Morning Coffee. I gotta ask you, DA, for somebody that is entering there second year of minor league baseball now i know you were drafted in 2018 but you didn't get to pitch at all in your draft year but entering your second year of minor league baseball like what is the preparation process like for you when you come home from instructs and you basically have to be on your own for an entire offseason what's that whole process like for you um it's a little different especially after you know being around so many coaches with especially during spring training, but after season, you know, you've got a coach, um, several coaches, you know, watching your every move, you've got your teammates. Um, so it's a lot different when you are by yourself. And that's when it kind of comes to like holding yourself accountable and really, you know, how bad do you want it? Um, so it, it, it's a lot different, but, you know, you just got to stick to the grind, know what you got to do, take care of your business, what you got to work on um, during the off season, what, what can make you better. So. What do you feel like you made the next step in this past off season? Um, ooh. I'd like to say I think I got a little bit stronger um, in my in my whole body, not just my legs, which has always been kind of my focus. Uh, worked on a lot of different mechanical stuff that you know me and uh, Morty worked on last year, my pitching coach. Um, you know, just trying to work on that. Watched a lot of videos of big league guys, especially Garrett Cole. Um, and tried to, you know, translate that into my game and just find more ways to make myself better, I guess. I do want to talk about the game as a whole. Now, don't get me wrong. I love hearing about you, D.A., because you you basically <laughs> helped win our team a championship last year. Let's, let's not understate that. I know you're a humble guy, but, you know, we're not going to understate the abilities that you were able to, to wizard our Idaho Falls Chuckers to, but – Man, I got to tell you, I feel like the whole baseball world just got thrown upside down when this sign-stealing scandal came down. And I got to ask you as a pitcher, like, what is your stance on what has gone on? Do you think Major League Baseball has taken the right approach to it? Do you feel like there are things that could have done better? Like, how would you feel if you knew that you were a pitcher in a game where your signs were being stolen? Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's interesting because, we've been practicing sign stealing, you know, my whole life. I remember we started in travel ball. Like, how can we get the other team's signs? Is it when we're on second base, we try to pick up the catcher, you know, see what they're doing. Um, but when it comes to, you know, video cameras, when it's just kind of obvious like that, and it strictly says in the rule book, like, you know, they're not allowed to use electronics for sign stealing. They know sign stealing goes on, and that's just a part of baseball. There's nothing wrong with it. But when it gets to that point, you know, obviously there's a problem. And, you know, I've kind of just, I've kind of just enjoyed watching um, and reading everything, you know, on Twitter, online, what everybody's saying. Um, I think probably the most vocal person about it is probably Trevor Bauer. Um, he, you know, he's not scared to throw his two cents in. 
and his opinion on that. And, and that's great. That's really what the MLB needs. I think him and uh, the commissioner had a, a meeting about that and how to handle it. And I think it's kind of interesting that they did, you know, they obviously penalized the Astros organization with, you know, getting rid of Hinch and um, the GM and then taking away some of their picks. But as far as those guys who were really involved, I mean, that's kind of tough, you know, um, I don't know how, what's, what's the word I'm looking for. If they really nailed down who did it and if they had, for sure proof that they did. Uh, that's one thing because, you know, you've got these guys that use steroids that, I mean, P. Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame because he bet on the game. Uh, Barry Bonds, arguably one of the best players of all time, and, you know, he's pretty much banned from baseball because of steroids. Well, these guys cheated. You know, people bring up Altuve taking the MVP from Judge, and uh, you don't know for sure if he was a part of that. I mean, you'd like to think so, I guess, but, you know, you never really know, so it's kind of interesting. Would you think that, and I'm not going to ask whether you say yes or no, because I know that you're a part of a major league affiliated organization and you don't want to have an opinion that might be too controversial, but I'll ask you, would it be appropriate to consider taking away the designation of the Astros as the World Series champions in 2017? Uh, That's that's another um, tough question. I don't know, because... You know, did the whole whole team do it? I'm sure, you know, there were some big at-bats where that the trash cans, really, or whatever, you know, happened. Um, definitely played a huge factor. But that's, that's kind of tough. That's a tough question to answer. I know it's a tough question to answer, but I'm I'm asking you the tough questions, man. This is this is not <laughs> Chucker's social countdown. This is uh, This is a little bit more... Uh, of an intense conversation not an intense conversation i mean we're just we're just two guys talking ball here but uh we got Derek right, adams right. royals minor league lefty here on mlb morning coffee one of my good buddies somebody that's been clamoring to get on this podcast for a while da i gotta ask you the question <laughs> and you're you're a pure baseball fan through and through it has significantly bothered me in a couple episodes back when christian yelich signed his new contract I kind of broke down Yelich's numbers and compared them to Mookie Betts in relation to the type of contract that he's demanding. And then I looked, it was funny you brought up Barry Bonds, because I looked back at Barry Bonds' numbers in his prime, and granted, you could say steroids or not, but Barry Bonds, at his peak, made $18 million a year. And his numbers absolutely dwarfed. Like, one year, do you realize that one year he had an on-base of over 600? Like, that's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. So I'll ask you this. What is your stance on teams that have plenty of money trading away superstars like the Red Sox did with Mookie Betts and what the Cubs might do with Chris Bryant and what the Indians might do with Francisco Lindor? Do you think it's appropriate that these teams say that they can't afford to pay these guys because they don't want to go into luxury tax? Or do you feel like they're doing a disservice to their teammates and their fans by – trading away assets that they probably should be able to pay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, especially, you know, those guys who are, um, you know, they love being where they are. Like, you know, with Yelich, the Brewers, they got that extension. And I think Yelich said something like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, When you have guys that are, like, bought into the city and the team like that, I feel like you got to try to keep those guys around. Guys that are, like you said, key parts of the team. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta make that work. I feel like. 
Derek, you're from Alabama, and Alabama, as most people know, does not have a Major League Baseball team. And you spent right. your past season in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and hopefully you'll be spending the first part of this year before you obviously get moved up in Lexington, Kentucky with the Lexington Legends. Idaho Falls and Lexington, two teams on Major League Baseball's minor league baseball contraction list. As somebody that grew up in an area where you basically were experiencing the minor league experiences of the Huntsville Stars and the Montgomery Biscuits and the Birmingham Barons, what is your stance on what Major League Baseball is trying to do to minor league baseball? And do you feel like they are doing a disservice to the communities that don't have access to Major League Baseball on the regular? Um, yeah, that's tough. I mean, like you said, Idaho obviously doesn't have a professional baseball team, and neither does Alabama. And I know, like, there's a new minor league team. Granted, they are double A, um, but coming to the city right next to mine, um, back home, and you know, people are thrilled about that because that's we don't have to drive, you know, three and a half, four hours away to a Braves game. You know what I mean? Um, it's right down the road, and that's 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 good baseball, and like. Idaho, I mean, you can tell, you know, the fans were always invested. That's what they looked forward to. And I feel like you take that away, um, you know, that does hurt the community. And I, and I remember, I think the, I think Idaho Falls like tweeted something about numbers and minor leagues and uh, the teams that were going to be taken away and how it would affect the communities and stuff like that. And when you look at it that way, you know, how do you do that? You know, these, not only are these teams, um, you know, there for, for us baseball players giving us a job but they're there for that that community the the communities that that love the game that want to see these guys play um and i think it's when it comes to that it's almost a little bit bigger than baseball so we're here with Derek adams royals minor leaguer and my good buddy here on mlb morning coffee kind enough to join us from the holiday inn at the royal spring training complex in surprise <laughs> arizona Dude, I got to say, man, like you lived all of last year at the Candlewood in Idaho Falls, and now in spring training, you're living in another hotel. Like, is it weird living in a hotel room? Like, I can't imagine what would that, that would be like. Like, I live in a shoebox here at the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco. And granted, for those of you who are listening, the Ocean Avenue Studios, like, we don't have a radio studio here. It's just my mixer board inside of the apartment in my house in the beautiful Excelsior district in SF, but is, is it strange living inside a hotel room? Um, you know, I've spent most of my life being in a hotel. Like, you know, I started playing travel ball when I was young and, you know, it was like every weekend, okay, we're in a hotel and it was something to look forward to. And then, you know, again, in college, we'd go on the weekends and stay places. And then when I got here, um, it wasn't too much of a shock, but when you look back and you're like, wow, I just lived in a hotel for six months. Like, that's a long time. Um, but now I'm, I'm just kind of used to it. And at this point, it, you just got to enjoy every every little thing. Um, you know, sometimes it it, it is weird. Uh, I, I mean, I live out of my suitcase pretty much. Um, so so it is a lot different, but it's, it's not terrible. And, you know, I honestly kind of enjoy it. <laughs> As a reward for being the Kansas City Royals Pitcher of the Year in the Idaho Falls organization. So for those of you that are listening and don't know what I'm talking about, 
the Royals designate a player of the year and a pitcher of the year for all of their minor league teams, and Derek was that for the Idaho Falls team. The player of the year was the great Michael Lamoti, one of the best power-hitting catchers in the Royals system, and a guy that, I mean, before I explain to you the first question, i got to ask, like, does Idaho Falls have the same success that it does last year without Michael Lamoti? I mean, for, for my dollar, and granted, I'm not betting on anything, I'm just saying that figuratively, <laughs> but uh, Michael Lamoti should have been the league MVP of the Pioneer League, in my opinion. And if not him, though, it oh, had to yeah. be Clay Duncan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely had two um, MVP caliber players on our team for sure because I, I think it was very tough um, for the guys who made that decision on player of the year. But, like, who do we go to, you know, Amodi or Clay Duncan? Because those, both those guys had phenomenal years, and we don't do – and we don't get as far as we did without them. Um, and I think it did kind of hurt. Um, it hurt when Amodi got hurt. Um <laughs> That kind of, you know, stopped that MVP run, I guess you'd say. Um, because I think if he keeps going like he did, putting up the numbers he did, yeah, he wins the, the MVP of the league for sure. Because, I mean, like you said, it's going to be tough to, to win a lot of those games without him, not only with his bat in the lineup, but he was just a force behind the plate. Um, everybody loved throwing to him. Um, he did a great job. He worked hard. And he was a great teammate on top of that, so it made it even better. So the question I was going to ask, as a part of that award, you got to go to Kauffman Stadium, you were honored at the field, you got to sign autographs for the fans, and it kind of gave you the taste of what it was like to be a Major League Baseball player. Like, How cool was that whole experience for you, getting to go to Kansas City and and, and part of that whole experience and say, this is where I'm going to be pitching someday? Yeah, honestly, that was, um, that was one of the coolest things I've ever um, got to do and be a part of and you know you're right that that's the dream that's where you want to end up and um, that was just even more motivation to try to get there um, and it was just a great experience you know especially with my family being right there by my side um, made it even better being with all those guys getting to talk to those guys getting on the field you know and and the Royals everything they did the way they handled everything and treated us I mean it, it was great um, yeah that was that was very cool, and I'd love to do that again. Hey, if you keep pitching the way that you have been, you are going to do that again. So I'm going to ask you about pressure situations. Have you been in a scenario like you were in the championship series in the Pioneer League? And I'll even walk it back a little bit, that same scenario in Game 3 against the Billings Mustangs. So for those of you who are listening, the Idaho Falls Chuckers, the Pioneer League affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, won the championship in the Pioneer League last year, winning a Game 3 that was delayed two days because of rain and wet field conditions, and then winning two games on the road at what is probably the biggest hitter's ballpark in the low minors. Like, I got to ask you, DA, like, how big of a challenge was it to do what you guys did, and especially to win two games in a yard that is so hitter-friendly and is probably the biggest home field advantage to anybody, honestly, maybe outside of the Lancaster Jethawks in the California League, whose ballpark is a complete bandbox. Like, what was it like having to go down to Lindquist Field and win two games against a Dodgers affiliate in Ogden that was probably one of the most talented teams in all of minor league baseball? 
I was about to say it wasn't even so much about the field. It was just those guys. Um, I mean, that was just a great team. Uh, they had been all year. Um, they were the best team in the league. I mean, that that was it. They numbers wise, record wise, they were the best team um, in the league. They were the team to beat, and um, it was tough. You know, we lost a, a tough one, game one at home, and we get there, um, get ready to play game two, and I mean, we came out hot, and and that was good to see. You know, all of us were kind of like, hey, nobody's giving up. We're we're trying to win this thing. Um, you know, we take game two, everybody's fired up. And I really think that that momentum and everybody was just so excited. We were all, you know, trying to trying to win. We wanted that. Um, and, you know, I think it was just like another day. And it just – that meant, you know, a little bit more to, to each of us. And we just came out and, you know, we were the team, I think, that wanted it the most. So that's kind of how it happened. What are you most excited about in terms of this upcoming season? Like, what are you most looking forward to when it comes to the Derek Adams baseball experience 2020? <laughs> um, you know, just to see where, where the game takes me. Um, and, you know, wherever that is, I'm just, you know, still going to be happy to still be wearing the jersey. Um, you know, I just want to keep going. I'm just excited to, to try and get better. And, uh, you know, last year is last year. That doesn't really mean much um, to me anymore. It's, it's a new new year trying to just get better and, you know, show that I can play. I, I want to play and, uh, you know, I just want to keep going. Being a left-handed pitcher growing up in the South, assuming you were a Braves fan, is it safe to assume that you were a Tom Glavin guy growing up? Like, was he one of those guys that you looked up to and said, hey, I want to be like him? Because because when I look at your game and I look at his game in terms of your mechanics, your motion, the demeanor on the mound, like you two are very similar. Yeah, I, um, you know, I was I was really young um, towards the end of his career, so it wasn't so much like, hey, I want to be him. But as I got older and started throwing, um, me and my dad would always talk about Tom Glavin. We'd watch him, watch how he threw and stuff like that and you know I kind of realized wow you know my mechanics and everything like our games are kind of similar um so I guess it was a little bit later in in life not when I was so young that I that I started to realize that um and and that was neat that was cool because you're right growing up was a huge Braves fan um so I knew all those guys knew who played there and it was neat to you know kind of compare myself to one of them sort of what is the biggest thing that you feel like is going to dominate the game of baseball this year? Like, not just not you, not the Royals, but just like the it. entire game no, of I baseball. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you heard about the new new pickoff rule? Yeah. So I heard that for left-handers in the low minors, you have to step off yeah. the rubber in order to throw to first. I assume that. You're not a big yep. fan of that rule. Absolutely not. Yeah, from I think it's from high A down. Um, you know, like you said, I'm I'm not a big fan. It, we are actually working on it today um, during practice, and you know, I always I have a high leg kick, so I grew up all through baseball trying to work on perfecting a good move to keep the runner close and um, you know be able to pick a lot of guys off. So I've always used that move. Well, I no longer can. You got to step off the rubber, um, even going to second. You've got to completely clear it. There's no more inside move. 
you cannot pick up your knee and pick off. And you've got to you got to step off, like I said. And I think that is going to be um, very big, a big issue, I would say, for for us in, in the low minors because it's so new. I mean, we've been working on these pickoff moves, like I said, since I was young, and I know all these guys have. We've been doing it our whole lives, and it's just kind of like a big change. And we worked on it for, I'd say, almost an hour today it seemed like um you know working on new moves um trying to figure them out what's going to work what's different and it's going to it's going to be a big change um in baseball for sure and because a lot of guys just aren't used to it it's it's a big difference you know one of the things that i've actually noticed because i call a decent amount of college football games too here in the bay area is that there are so many things that are drastically different from the college game to the pro game. And how difficult is it for you to adjust as a pitcher? Like, you're pitching a wood bats instead of metal bats. Double headers are nine innings in college instead of seven innings in the pros. In college, you're allowed to do whatever you want on a pickoff. You've got nothing that has to do with timing. None of the balls, at least at the AAA level, are juiced like they are. Uh, and I just feel like... There are so many things that pro baseball is altering that it doesn't feel like the same game anymore. Would you agree? Um, yeah, in a sense, it, it is a lot different. And I was actually, I think I was talking to somebody today, I don't know if it was a player or a coach or probably both, just about how many changes there are and, and why, because I don't think anybody really knows. Um, I'm not sure why they're changing the game so much. And, and that is hard. Um, that's that's tough because, you know, it's a game we all grew up playing is just the same same game, you know. And now it's these little rules and all, all kinds of stuff, like you said. And it's just it's different. So, what is it like for you being so far away from home for so much of the year? I mean, your dad Marty. Shout out to Marty Adams, by the way, the man. Derek, Derek's father, by the way, is one of the absolute nicest human beings you will ever meet on planet Earth. So a shout out to you, Marty Adams, if you're listening. Uh, but what is it like for you being so far away from home for such a long period of time? Like it's got to – you have to be able to find a way to, to balance yourself and, and give yourself a little taste of home. Like, like what, how do you keep yourself close to home when you're not home? Well, first I try to find the the nearest place with good sweet tea, <laughs> and um, you know anything I can get like some southern food, which is tough all the way across the country. Um, but, but it is hard because you know me and my family are really close. Um, but it's okay because you know I know they wouldn't want me anywhere else, and and they're a great support system. And I I talk to my mom and dad and sister just about every day. Um, so you know it, it was tough at first, but. This is where I want to be. This is where they want me to be. So that's just that's just part of it. Alabama this year. I know you're a big Alabama football fan. I wanted to get into this uh, before we wrapped up our conversation. We got about five minutes left here on MLB Morning Coffee, and we're we're gonna have Derek Adams on again in the future. Can I hold you to that, DA? Oh, absolutely. You know, whenever you need me. That's what I like to hear. Alabama football, man, I mean, it was an interesting year in the sense that Tua Tagovailoa gets hurt, Nick Saban rushes him back, and 
safety just wasn't the same, and now his pro prospects aren't going to necessarily be the same. Two-part question for you. Number one, do you feel like they rushed to go back? And number two, do you feel like LSU was far and away the better team than Alabama this year? And I understand that the, that the Tide fan in you doesn't want to say that, but uh, but give me your <laughs> thoughts. Um, you know, I don't want to say that they rushed him back so bad because I think it was almost that, that competitive nature that was in Tua that, you know, he's going to be one of those guys like most of us are that's like, hey, I'm good. I'm ready to get back out there, put me in the game. And, you know, he just wanted to compete. So I think that had a lot to do with it. It wasn't so much that they rushed him. I think he was just being a competitor and wanted to get back out there. And it's just something unfortunate happened, which is, which is tough, you know. You know, he probably went up to Nick Saban's like, hey, I'm ready. Like, you know, put me in there. I mean, what's he going to do? That's his starting quarterback. Like you said, I mean, he's a top NFL prospect. He's a great player. You want him to play. If he tells you he's good, you see that compet- competitive side in him, you're going to want him to play. Um, and then the other part of it, I I will say, I, I don't know talent-wise, um, but LSU was was the best team in college football. They were. Uh, whether they had the best talent or not, um, Joe Burrow was, you know, obviously the Heisman winner and well-deserved. I mean, he had a great year. Um, I think the guy who impressed me the most was probably their running back because he just ran over Alabama. Uh, I can't think of his name. I know it's long, but, you know, he was a good player, and, and they were just – they were hot. They were a good team. They played well, and, you know, that's kind of how it went. What is, for you, the biggest joy in getting to travel around on a bus with your teammates? Because I know being on bus trips with you that, that you're one whole heck of a lot of fun, but what what's the most fun part – of a bus trip in minor league baseball? Um, I'd say just the, the camaraderie that comes with it. Uh, you know, just being with those guys, being in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, playing cards or whatever we're doing, just trying to have a good time, make, make the most of it. Because, you know, one day we're not going to be able to do this and we're going to look back and, and say, man, I wish I was on a, another bus trip to Billings, Montana, or, you know, wherever we're going. Um, so you just kind of you got to enjoy the moment and enjoy being being around the the guys who are around you and make the most of it. Yeah, I mean, like it. To, by the way, I have to say the up and back bus trip to Billings was maybe one of the most interesting experiences that I've ever had because we literally. So let me give you guys a little bit of background on this. We had to go and play one game in Billings, Montana, which is six and a half hours away. We left at 7.30 a.m., day of, got up there at about 2 o'clock for, actually, I don't even think it was 2 o'clock. I think it was 2.30 for a 5 o'clock first pitch. We play a game in about two hours and 20 minutes. It started raining about 10 minutes after the final out. We get back on the bus, and we drive all the way back to Idaho Falls, and play a game the next day. I, I remember we started in a – that we stopped at this gas station in the middle of the night in Bozeman, Montana, before we meandered through 
Yellowstone National Park. Like, I felt like I was at the the end of the universe there. Like, that whole day was just amazing. And not to not to underscore the fact that Chi Ting Wang and Christian Cosby tandemed to shut out the Billings Mustangs in that game, who in the second half were probably the best team in our league. Like, that, that whole experience to me was amazing. Like, what was it like for you? Um, that... That was that was minor league baseball right there. Uh, making that trip uh, for one game, um, coming back and and playing the next day, um, it it was neat. It was cool. Uh, we were all excited for the playoffs, so you know we were kind of dreading that drive, but you know we were ready to get that game one under our belt and get back to our place. And yeah, that's uh that's a tough trip. I want to say, I don't know. We had so many bus trips, and I can't remember exactly, but I think I was. I was getting some sleep on that bus ride, but I'm not sure. (laughs) That whole bus trip was interesting for me because, so we took two separate buses on that trip. And it's so interesting when you end up as, when you end up in a scenario where you don't know how to react to something, like the bus I was on was a lot emptier than the bus that you were on. And I ended up sitting next to one of our newest acquisitions on the team, Jonah DePoto, who's the son of Mariners GM, Jerry DePoto. And it's like, I want to talk baseball with people around me, but it's just like, I don't know how to respond. And something came up at the end of the trip in regards to a team giving up a lot of runs, and Jonah pipes in. He's like, well, the Mariners certainly had a tough day, giving up 12 runs in the first inning of the Astros. And then this dude comes out and throws, like, one of the nastiest sliders that I've ever seen. So it's, like, moments like that that are just so darn interesting. By the way, i got to ask you, like, have you seen a slider break like his? Like, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been around around a lot, a lot of guys with some good pitches. Um, but, yeah, that, that guy knows what he's doing. He can, he can sling it. I don't know what he does. I probably need to learn it since he's across from me in the locker room right now. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty nasty. Derek Adams, we appreciate you joining us here on MLB Morning Coffee. Uh, let the folks know how they can uh, how they can follow you, how they can keep track of what you're doing. Uh, plug your socials for us real quick. Uh, all right. Uh, my Instagram, I believe, is D underscore Adams 23. I think my Twitter is D underscore Adams 2330. Uh, and that's that's about all about all I'm on. So that's it. And by the way, so Derek Adams, his favorite number is 23, and he wore 23 <laughs> in Idaho Falls, and he just turned 23 two days ago. So a happy belated birthday to you, DA, and appreciate the time this evening, buddy. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you uh, finally letting me join. I know I gave you a hard time, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Oh, I I enjoy the heck out of talking to you, Derek Adams. And with that, we're going to say goodbye here on MLB Morning Coffee. Make sure you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. We're going to have Derek Adams on again very soon. A reminder, we've got a lot of great content. We've got team previews. Special guest Al Yellon is going to join us for tomorrow's episode. He is the managing editor of Bleed Cubby Blue. He is going to give us his Cubs preview. If you want our White Sox preview, go check out our episode with Brett Valentini. If you want our Twins episode preview, make sure you check out Kyle Banduho. For Derek Adams, this is Greg Mraz. Thanks for listening to MLB Morning Coffee, and we'll catch you in the AM.